Welcome to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to continue our ongoing spotlight on executive MBA clubs and organizations with an interview with Remington Raw and Josh Rubelke. Rem and Josh are leaders of the Executive MBA Consulting Club, and I recently connected with them to talk more about their backgrounds, how they decided to pursue an MBA, the impact of their first year, what they have planned for the Consulting Club in the year ahead, and so much more. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here is my interview with Remington Roth and Josh Rubelke. Josh, Rem, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brett. Yeah, thanks for having us. Great to have you all here. I'm catching up with all of the new club organization leaders. Man, have you all really been in the program for 10 months at this point? Class of 2023? Unbelievable. It, it really is. It's, it's definitely hard to believe it. I saw something that said we were 53% complete. It's like, man, I, I don't know how this happened. That is awesome. Welcome. What a wonderful weekend. Uh, we're recording this on, on Monday and on a Monday in mid-June. Um, the weekend in question was the uh, mid-program celebration. Um, it was, man, that was awesome to be on the roof deck with with you, your classmates and uh, watch some awards get handed out, just be, enjoy a beautiful evening in, in Washington, D.C. So, hope you all were able to enjoy that too. Yeah, it was, it was my first time on the roof, you know, 31st floor, 32nd floor, beautiful view of the city and the Potomac River. Uh, definitely a strong pull for Darden, D.C. Metro. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. And other people brought their spouses, too. So that was nice. Just meeting everybody's spouses or plus ones. It was pretty great. Yeah, we had a plus one picnic cookout type thing back in the back in the fall, right around the, the start of school. But um, it's nice. It, nice to meet some of these folks who you hear about through the application process and you know we're there uh, supporting their student, but you don't necessarily always get to meet everybody until maybe graduation. So it's nice to make, make these connections a little bit sooner in the process. So first and foremost, uh, Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing well, you know, just uh, managing school and, and work and life. Uh, and I think that's kind of something that you do throughout the whole program. And, um, but I think I'm finally getting into the swing of it. So I'm doing pretty good. All right. All right, Rim, how are you doing? Yeah, I'd say just about the same. Um, you know, kind of really enjoying my time in the program and then making the most of weekends where we're in person and then also the most of the weekends where we're not in person because uh, that's kind of your, your downtime to relax and recover. That's right. One of the things we try to talk about here on the podcast is just how much gets packed into a, to an OGR, an on-grounds residency, a weekend residency in the program. Yes, class is part of that, but there's always a lot of other things beyond just just class. Um, learning team dinners, social outings. Uh, feels like the class of 2023 always has a few things planned. I think there's uh, different student groups who gather throughout the weekend. It's um, y'all stay busy. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Like every single on-grounds weekend, there's at least one event that I'm going to. And then I always try to work in a learning team dinner. And so you almost start scheduling multiple on-grounds residencies out because there's so many different people that you want to see. And it's your opportunity to be in person together. Yeah. And Courtney, I don't know if you've 
had an interview with her yet, but she's our head of social and she's sent out all these links uh, for all of us to sign up for events that are coming up in the future. And so we have some great stuff coming up like a uh, golf outing and we're actually going to Charlottesville uh, to see the class of 2024. So that'll be pretty awesome. Yeah, that's going to be a very exciting week on grounds at the Darden School. So what you were invited to, I believe, was at the very end of that first week of school, there's a cookout. All you know, new first-year students across the residential MBA, full-time MBA program, uh, the part-time MBA, as well as the executive MBA. And at the very end, there's a cookout. And that's a historic week in the history of the Darden School. Uh, never before had uh, those that group of students ever assembled. We've never had uh, residential MBA, part-time MBA, and executive MBA students all together um, at the same time. So um, it's going to be an exciting time. I'm so glad that members of your class are coming down for it, too. Yeah, I think we're, we're definitely looking forward to it. Anytime we can get out to Charlottesville, it's, it's always a good time. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit more about your respective stories, uh, your background and experience, what you did before coming to Darden and, and what you're up to right now. So, Rem, I'll come to you first. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about you. OK, uh, so I am a Navy veteran. I went to the United States Naval Academy, I was a math major there, and then I commissioned uh, into the Navy as a nuclear surface warfare officer, which is just a fancy way to say that I drove ships and then later on operated nuclear reactors. So I spent a little bit of time overseas um, on my first ship, came back to the States, uh, went to school uh, through the Navy for nuclear power, and then went back to another ship before finishing up my time uh, last summer at the end of a, a tour teaching at the nuclear power school. So I was drawn to Darden for a couple of reasons. Uh, my, my wife is a doctor who matched for residency here in uh, Washington, DC. And so I had strong ties to the area. And I also liked the idea of being able to start to work and get some sort of civilian experience while I was also going to school. Uh, so I actually uh, have changed jobs so far in the program. So I started out at an engineering consulting firm who pitched themselves as uh, management consulting done by engineers. And I found that that wasn't the great, the, the greatest of fits for me. So I uh, actually swapped roles and now I'm uh, working program management at the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, which is uh, DARPA. So I've been enjoying that role, enjoying the program, uh, and I'm looking forward to recruiting on grounds this fall for consulting. All right, Rim, when, I, when you and I first met, you were living in Charleston and uh, contemplating relocating to the, to the D.C. area. So now you're here. Are you enjoying uh, being in the D.C. metro? Yeah, I, I do enjoy Washington, D.C. You know, Charleston, South Carolina is such a foodie town. And I thought that I was going to miss a lot of that. And, and don't get me wrong, I do miss Charleston, South Carolina. But there's so much to do in Washington, D.C. We found a bunch of new spots and you know, there's always another place to go explore. And that's one of the nice things about having so many classmates here as well. There's just an instant network of friends who have all their own favorite places. And, and we've really enjoyed kind of working through that. Yeah, it's interesting to think about starting an executive MBA program or a program as you're moving to a new area. It becomes a way for you to meet a whole bunch of new people all at the same same time. We've heard this a lot from our, some of our incoming part-time students who are outside of the D.C. area but relocating prior to the start of school. And they're like, I'll have 65 friends right away. 
I don't think I'd ever thought about it in that way, but I guess it works. You know, you come to a new area and you're starting school. Congratulations. You got a brand new network. So, um, well, thank you for sharing that. And also no shortage of, uh, great restaurants here in, here in DC. And I, I will say the class of 2023, y'all get out there. Y'all take advantage of, uh, of the DC dining landscape. All right, Josh, tell us a little bit more about you. Sure. Um, so I, I'm going to go way back. I'm originally from Arizona and I came to the DC area for undergrad for architecture uh, and then went up to Syracuse uh, for a grad school program in architecture. And so I like to joke that I wanted to get all the extremes of the weather before deciding where I wanted to settle. Um, And so that's why I came back to the DC area and started my architecture career, uh, which is like REM. It's not a very typical business career, Um, but did that for six and a half years. And um, I really loved the problem solving aspects of architecture, but I didn't like the day-to-day technical aspects of architecture. And so uh, when the pandemic hit, there were a lot of layoffs that were going off that were happening actually at the company. And I got nervous. Um, And so I started exploring business schools and exploring doing the MBA program to make a pivot into consulting, uh, which would allow me to take my background in architecture, all of my soft skills, and then use that uh, within the consulting uh, industry. And so, um, you know, I looked at a number of different schools, both full-time and uh, executive programs, and ultimately decided on Darden because I had a great conversation with alumni and with Jim uh, in career services who convinced me that the opportunity cost is too great to go to a full-time program um, and I would get a lot out of the Darden alumni network uh, if I were to go to Darden. And so that's ultimately why I ended up choosing Darden. Um, and it's, it's been a fantastic experience. Um, I did uh, switch jobs in the middle of the program. I now work for a commercial real estate uh, company and uh, you know, still looking forward to doing the on-grounds recruiting and, and moving into consulting. But at least my experience now uh, is allowing me to, to gain more of a business side uh, experience that I can use to, I guess, as a stepping stone into uh, the consulting industry. Well, thank you both for sharing more about your your backgrounds. And uh, Josh, to your point um, about you know not not a typical uh, background uh, for an MBA program. Just had a conversation with the leadership of the Black Executive MBA Student Organization and. Uh, they were reflecting upon the same thing, which I feel like almost every guest who comes here on the Exec MBA podcast is like, well, my background's a little bit different than what people might assume for an MBA program. And that's the beauty of the Executive MBA program. One of my favorite things about it is you meet all sorts of people, different life stages, career stages, who study different things. Um, every time I do the, this is your class presentation, I'm always fascinated by the mix of majors. Um, I think pre doing this job, I assumed everybody in business school had gone to like, it's very sort of like I did finance, I did econ. And I think we had 50, almost 50 majors for your class in the quarter of the class, engineering and poli-sci were either engineering or poli-sci majors. Kind of an amazing thing. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, Especially, I mean, like you said, I I kind of assumed everybody was going to know business and I'd be the only person who uh, would struggle with finance or basically anything business related economics. Um, but it turns out, well, first of all, we have a very supportive group uh, in the class of 2023. Um, but secondly, there are other people who are struggling with me. So that was pretty great. 
Well, it's all learning, right? You're, we yeah. like to remind people that you're here because maybe you don't know anything about this stuff. Uh, that's and that's true. okay. Um, and that's why you're here. So it's all good. Um, so here you are, quarter five, uh, essentially 10 months into the program. You've all, already done LR1. Maybe you've traveled uh, the world a bit on a global residency. Um, those trips have been up and running, had some students out there. Um, and okay, you've been taking all these core classes. Um, Josh, when you reflect on who you are now and where you are now in the program, how do you feel like you've grown and developed over this period of time? Um, actually, it's it's been kind of incredible. So I came into the program as an individual contributor and just being in a lot of these leadership classes and a lot of these, um, you know, the a lot of the general management classes that Darden offers, it's really helped me grow as a professional. Uh, and so I feel more comfortable, especially in my current role where I'm uh, managing a lot of projects and having to uh, be in meetings where I'm face to face with the client and and leading these meetings. And so um, just Darden has really allowed me to grow uh, my confidence level and um, and then just all these friends and the network that I'm creating has, has been um, pretty incredible as well. Yeah, that. All of those things, the, the confidence piece comes up time and again. I always ask everybody who says that, what has helped you grow in confidence? Like, what do you think about the experience? What is it about the experience that's helped you grow in that way? Well, so at Darden, you know, we have the case method. And so we are forced to, I won't say forced, but forced uh, to, to really read through every case and think about our experiences and, and talk about these experiences in our own lives. But then because of that, you also learn from other people's experiences and what they have done in situations that may be similar to yours. And so you have this depth of knowledge from, from all these different people in your class that you can draw from uh, when you go into situations at work and say, hey, you know what, I've been in this, maybe I haven't been in this situation before, but I can at least know what to do because somebody else has been in this situation before. And so just that as well as, you know, the professors leading us through these cases, um, you know, it really contributes to the, the confidence level when you're in these situations uh, after being at it on grounds and going straight into the workforce. Thank you for, for indulging that question. I'm always just intrigued by it because when I hear people reflect on the program, you know, people oftentimes might expect to hear, I know a lot more about accounting. And then that's probably true. Um, but at the same time, the things that people really talk about are the sort of, this is how I've grown as a person. This is how I've grown as a professional. And it's more like on this confidence end of things or their ability to communicate or understand other people or whatever the case might be. Maybe it seems a little bit softer, um, but nevertheless, extremely powerful. So um, thank you for, for that. Rim, coming to you, same question. Here you are, 10 months in. How have you grown during this time? No, I mean, it's, it's an excellent question. And Josh's answer is spot on. I mean, there are so many situations where maybe we're doing a case that's really centered on the financial crisis of 2008. And the professor's asking, is there anyone with personal experience with the financial crisis? And then all the hands in the room go straight up. And there's someone who was buying a house and there were impacts of that. There was someone who was working at a, a big bank and there are impacts of that. And it, it really kind of brings the case to life when you can hear people around you discuss their personal experiences. Um, and, and I would say that one of the main reasons that I came to business school is because coming from the military, I didn't have a lot of the business background. And so, you know, I, I won't refute that the soft skills are, are incredibly important. But for me, 
the biggest single impact has been from global economics and markets, which is part of the core curriculum. You know, coming out of COVID, there are significant changes to both uh, monetary policy and fiscal policy and impacts on the global economy. We've seen intense, like, immense changes over the past two years. And we see that now with the, the problems with inflation and just having the right frameworks to kind of digest that and see what's happening and why, and then maybe to predict what, what you might think is going to happen in the next few years, which is always difficult. Uh, and I'm, I'm not claiming that I can now do that, but just to be able to understand the world around you just opens the aperture and, and has made a big impact for me. Yeah, I, I will say somebody who likes conversations and enjoys uh, learning. I'm, I'm envious of you and your classmates from time to time because like y'all get to go sit in a class with such interesting, bright people and talk about things that are happening right now. Like to be in a global economies and markets class while, you know, Jay Powell, Janet Yellen, all these people are trying to figure out what in the world to do with the federal funds rate and how do we get inflation under control and oh by the way this broader global context that everything's happening in and you know how how do we how do we think through this and if you're leading a company what should you be focused on right now um that is i mean that's an incredible opportunity yeah i mean it's it's kind of funny but I, you know i was getting a haircut a couple months ago and my barber asked me he said you know what what's up with these prices and I was like, do you, do you really want an answer on that? And uh, no joke, we ended up talking about inflation. And there I am getting a haircut explaining like why prices are rising. And then the guy in the chair next to me turns his head and looks at me and it's just like, what, where did you come from? Like, what, what is this, this knowledge that you're bringing to the room? And I kind of had to take a step back and say, maybe I'm getting too much into it. I love that. Um, you know, you never know where you draw upon your MBA. You know, it could be a boardroom, could be at a barbershop. It happens all the time. Um, so, well, all of the things that you've shared, I mean, I, I think speak powerfully and, and y'all still have another year plus to go in the program. So it's right to celebrate at this time. And yet, you know, you're rounding into the second year of the program. One of the cool things that happens this time of year and a bit of the inspiration for our conversation today is there is a changing of the guards. We have the second year students just graduated. Congratulations to our executive MBA class of 2022 again. And now there are new club leaders. And every year on the podcast, we try to catch up with new club leaders. And one of the clubs that's been more and more active over the past couple of years is the consulting club. Um, really has done a lot to help students who are interested in this particular career path, learn about the career path, get ready for interviews, all these kinds of things. And uh, Josh and Rim, you are both uh, part of the leadership team for the consulting club. Um, before we get much further, though, um, can you tell us just a little bit more about what the consulting club is? Josh, can I come to you for this question? Yeah, sure. So for us, what the consulting club is, is a way to one, introduce people to the industry, and then two, prepare people for the, the rigorous interview process that happens in your second year when you go to on-grounds recruiting. Um, and so the way that we do that is through um, webinars uh, that we'll host or um, case uh, practicing. Uh, so we have an Excel spreadsheet that people can sign up for where they can mix and mingle and and make sure that they find a case partner to practice casing. But we also have professionals who come in and, and practice with us 
Um, but I think one thing different that we're trying to do from previous years is try to engage the, the well, the part-time is, is the first time that they're coming in, but engage the part-time students and engage the first-year students earlier on so that we can introduce them to the consulting uh, industry if they're interested in it. And so they can start thinking about it earlier on because, um, you know, it's now June and Rem and I are, are just now trying to get all of these different events uh, established and, and we're going to be recruiting for consulting in September. And so that's such a short amount of time. I, I think we would love to, to give them a longer runway to, to start thinking about these things. So Rim, I want to pick up on what jo- Josh just shared. Um, so uh, in the executive MBA program, you, know, you have their first year of the program or so to kind of explore, think about potential career paths. And if you're interested in participating in what's called on-grounds recruiting or when employers looking to hire post-MBA for full-time uh, positions, when they're interviewing Darden students, uh, executive MBA students can participate in, in that process. And so... Um, a lot of people, when they come into the executive MBA program, are kind of interested in exploring different paths. So um, how did you land on consulting as something that you were, were curious about? No, that's a great question. And um, for me, you know, I had previously considered full-time programs and, you know, I, I kind of got um, super focused on the D.C. area and, and I felt that Darden was the right fit for me. Um, and And through that, there are sort of maybe three major buckets that full-time MBAs go into, one of which is the consulting path. And what attracted me to the industry specifically is that there's immense, like fantastic business training. So you are working on a lot of interesting problems in various industries. You get exposure to C-suite executives. You're working with incredibly talented peers and you just learn a lot. I mean, there is a significant amount of effort that goes into being a management consultant, but that translates into what some people would say as, you know, twice the business experience per year as, as maybe some other industries. And so that's the real draw for me to kind of continue to build out my business toolkit to get more exposure to different industries. And then, you know, if I really enjoy it, I'll stay. And if not, you know, there are fantastic exit opportunities that, be, that can become available. Uh, it, it would be kind of hard for me to say right now uh, where I'll be five to 10 years from now, but that's kind of the mentality, you know, go somewhere, try it out, make sure that you're putting yourself in a position to progress and develop and keep options open and consulting kind of is the best fit for that. And Josh, it sounds like from hearing you tell your story, that consulting was something that was on your mind even before you started your MBA program, maybe somewhat similar to RIM. And he said, it's just one of these things that I've been thinking about for a while. How did you land on consulting? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly true. So I had some roommates who were in consulting working at uh, the big four and just seeing what their every day was um, and, and the types of problems that they were solving. It, it was it was pretty fascinating to me. And I saw a similarity to architecture in that uh, consultants come in and they solve a client's problem with you know, XYZ uh, solution where an architect will come in and solve a client's problem with a building or with, you know, a reconstruction of the interior space. And so a lot of those uh, transferable skills that I would see between the two with uh, problem solving and creative thinking and, and just um, everything that you, you do in architecture, I was like, wow, 
I could actually go into consulting and, and be a consultant. And so uh, I started thinking about that uh, just in terms of more uh, looking at uh, going into the financial uh, industry and, and looking at M&A, um, looking at uh, corporate finance. And so uh, that's kind of what drew me to uh, consulting. And so the, that's kind of the, the part of consulting that I'm trying to get into. Um, you know, it, I'll, I'll look for any way to get into consulting and then maybe one day switch to M&A consulting or switch to something more in corporate finance. But um, right now, I think the industry as a whole is, is where my mind is set. That's great. All right. So you're busy executive MBA students. You both are contemplating a career shift of sorts, you know, recruiting for consulting. Um, and you had, you've decided to be involved in the leadership for a student organization. How did you decide that this was something that you wanted to do with your uh, limited uh, free time? Josh, what, what attracted you to this opportunity? For me, it was, you know, I, I came into Darden and uh, I saw everything that everybody else was doing for the entire class. And I wanted to find a way to give back to, to my class. And, and so as an architect, I was like, well, I could either build somebody a house or design a house, or, you know, I can volunteer and, and be a co-president of the consulting club and try and help people pivot into a space or, or get a new job. Um, and for me, that would be the best way that I can use my own abilities. Um, and so that's why I ended up volunteering uh, for the consulting club. No one has asked you to design them a house yet? Uh, no, not really. So I get a lot of people who say, hey, I've got a problem. And maybe I should start my own consulting business. Um, but they come to me and they say, hey, you know, my, my roof is leaking. Or, hey, my, my bathroom is like there's water all over the floor. Now the dry, drywall is coming down. And well, like, what am I supposed to do about this? And so, you know, I'll, I'll give my expert advice uh, and I'll tell them to hire a general. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, it's, it's good. Uh, people haven't asked me to design a house and I've done mostly commercial architecture in my career. So uh, I wouldn't even know how to design a house, to be honest. Uh, so classmates, if you're listening to this, Please don't ask me to design your house. All right. Point taken. I was just curious whether somebody is <laughs> taking you up on your architectural services. Also, at the same time, it's still early. You got another another year or so in the program. You just never know. That's true. All right. And, and Rim, how did you decide that you wanted to be involved uh, in the leadership of, of the consulting club? Yeah. I mean, my, my path to leadership in the consulting club is actually through Josh. So... I was getting ready for, you know, starting to prepare for case interviews, which are a very uh, unique aspect of the consulting on-grounds recruiting process. You know, it's a, they give you a business situation of some sort, whether that's profitability or um, market sizing or a mergers and acquisitions case, and you solve that business problem real time, just kind of a surrogate for solving a larger case over six weeks to six months in the consulting industry. So I wanted to work with Josh this summer as partners for case prep. And he said, you know, I, I'm taking over the executive MBA consulting club. And I think it'd be great to have you partner with me in that. And so I looked at my availability and, and honestly, I was excited about it. So uh, I think Josh started referring to it a little bit, but um, the consulting club is pretty new for the executive MBAs. And if you, if you think about the different categories, as far as career 
plans go for the executive MBAs. You have one bucket of career switchers, one of climbers, and then another of entrepreneurs. So our class is already segmented into those three buckets, and then not everyone is interested in the consulting industry. So we end up with a, a smaller constituency that's involved in the executive MBA consulting club than maybe the full-time club. So it, it's, it's kind of fun to get in on the ground floor and continue building out what that infrastructure looks like. Um, and that's something that, that Josh started referring to about bringing in people earlier on, uh, creating more outreach and, and kind of building out what that looks like as far as helping folks meet their goals. Yeah, I appreciate that point. I mean, it's still relatively early days with pretty much all of our executive MBA student organizations. It, it, certainly, if the benchmark is the residential program, which has had clubs and organizations for much, much longer, still a relatively recent vintage on all of these clubs, even the ones like the Black Executive MBA student organization or the network of executive women that have been around for five or so years at this point. But that's really you know kind of a story that tracks in parallel with our launch to, here to the DC area and the growth of the program to around about 130, 135 students per matriculated class. That's kind of what pushed things um, ahead and accelerated some of this extracurricular engagement. And I've been really excited as a member of the admissions team here to see students connecting around career interests. Felt like the affinity groups made sense as a first step, but had hoped to see, you know, consulting club and, and tech club and maybe a financial services club or, you know, as people kind of, again, as part of this program are interested in exploring paths and what better way to do that than to have some formal club architecture to kind of give some structure to, to that engagement. So, so Josh, uh, when you look ahead and what you have planned uh, for the consulting club or what you hope, hope to accomplish, you, you mentioned wanting to leave a mark and, and contribute to your classmates experience. Um, what are you hoping to accomplish in the year ahead? Um, well, what I'm hoping to accomplish is uh, get at the majority of our classmates to to get an offer in consulting from the on-grants recruiting. I mean, uh, I think that's kind of the big thing is, you know, Rem and I will feel like we've done our part for the class if we are able to provide the resources for our classmates to be successful. And if our classmates are successful, then that will be fulfilling for us, you know, um, just seeing people being successful in on-grads recruiting or being successful working through their networks if they decide not to do on-grads recruiting, if they decide to do spring recruiting or uh, try to do the more experienced hire route, um, you know, just making sure that people accomplish their career goals. And, and I think that we want to be here for them and we want to be able to help them through that. Rim, anything uh, that you'd like to share on this point of uh, what you're looking forward to accomplishing in the year ahead? Yeah, I'll just add to what Josh has said. I mean, the, the immediate goal is by far help our classmates be successful for on-grounds recruiting. But after that, we'll still have another six months of, of time left in the program. And I think the focus at that point, maybe mid-fall, starts to shift towards how can we build out a better roadmap or playbook to hand over to the next class um, so some people listening may not know, but the recruiting timeline in general for executive MBAs is, is during that second year. Uh, there are, of course, people who are changing jobs throughout the program, and there are always just-in-time opportunities, but you know, the executive MBA kind of ties into the full-time MBA at that second year mark. And you know, there are plenty of people in their first year who are undecided about which career path they want to take. 
And, and many people just haven't heard of consulting. So the first thing that we can do is just start to create panels of people who can come in, you know, either Darden alumni or connections that we've met along the way uh, that can just explain what life is like and what the opportunity might be. And then you can start to sift through and, and find the people who are really energized by it. And then Josh and I can get them started even earlier than we did. Well, can we talk a little bit about uh, the interview process and, and case prep? Because I think for a lot of our listeners, this might be the first time they're hearing this and wondering why this is important. So, uh, Josh, why is case prep uh, important? Well, I mean, unless you're a, a genius and, and can go in there and blindly do a case interview, you definitely need to prepare for it. Um, and there are multi multiple resources that we, we give uh, as the consulting club. Um, we also have resources that we get from the full-time, the residential program. Um, they've given us resources because they've been around for a lot longer. Uh, so they have case books. They have um, camps that they do that they can they can give us those resources and we can disperse them with our own members um, but yeah when you go into an interview for consulting uh, there are multiple rounds where they'll come in and they'll give you a problem and it'll either be a, an interview-led case or uh, sorry interviewer-led or interviewee-led um, and you have a problem you need to ask the right questions you need to uh, take those questions and, you know, if it's, a, if it's a profit case, you need to look at, you know, return on investment, you need to look at the margins, you need to look at uh, all the different costs associated with it, and then take those costs and come up with a recommendation to the person who's interviewing you uh, to how they can proceed or move forward. And so it's, you know, it's time after time after time, you have to keep going back to this, um, kind of interview process, because uh, there are, I think, two or three rounds of interviews where you have to do these types of cases. And so, you know, if you're not prepared for that, you could could really fail. Um, and so for Rem and I, you know, we're, we're starting early and we're uh, making sure that we're up to speed on on the different types of frameworks that we can do and, and um, you know, doing case math, which is you're not allowed to use a calculator. So you have to be really good at mental math. Uh, and as an architect, I'm okay at math, but it's I'm a little rusty, I would say, because I don't use it all the time. So definitely need to practice that. Um, I, I don't know, Rem, if you have more to offer uh, than that. Yeah, if we if we zoom out a little bit, I, I think what the firms are looking for is is one: Do you know what you're getting to, and is this a good fit industry wise? So I kind of mentioned earlier, a case interview is a surrogate for life as a consultant. So you're, you're kind of taking six weeks to six months of effort and distilling it into half an hour. And part of the path is if you enjoy doing case prep, you're going to enjoy being a consultant. If you find yourself working on these mini cases and you say, you know, this isn't really my thing. You know, when you're doing that for a living for six weeks to six months, then, you know, maybe that's not the best choice. So, so part of it is, is figuring out fit. The next is if you're in one of these interviews, they, they oftentimes become collaborative. You're sitting next to someone who might be your future colleague. So they're kind of assessing you on, is this someone I want to work with in the future? Uh, can we can we collaborate together? Are we a fit personality-wise? Uh, and then the third one is, is just sort of a, an intellectual horsepower background uh, kind of assessment. Like, is this someone who has learned enough about the business world and kind of brings... Uh, you know, the necessary intelligence to, to kind of tackle one of these problems. And, and normally that one is 
is more a matter of being polished rather than kind of having the, the raw horsepower, if you will. Um, but I'd say that those are probably the three objectives from the firm's perspective. Uh, and then it's just a matter of making sure that, that you're ready to go to, to accomplish it. And so practice and practice some more and practice some more. Um, and I think one of the hardest things for executive MBA students, and this comes up a lot, is finding the time uh, for that. And so uh, we've had uh, executive MBA students have success through this recruiting process and navigate uh, case interviews uh, very successfully. Um, but you got to be able to carve out the time. So, uh, Rim, Josh, what would you offer on this point? Because I think this is something that we talk with executive MBA students when they're in the prospective process, understanding that like career is like having another class when it's busy, when you're trying to do all this, you might as well treat it like that because you got to prioritize it. So, Rim, what would you say on this point? I think you just need to be really clear about what your goals are when you come in. And, and that goes for the program as a whole. You know, a lot of people come into the program and they say, I want to develop professionally so that I can climb within my organization. And they're going to focus a significant amount of time on just achieving those specific goals. And, and other people, you know, Josh and I fit this category. Maybe our main goal coming into the program was a little bit of developing business sense, but also making a big career swap. And so if, if you take a step back and say, one of my biggest goals in being in the program was to support this industry change, this function change to consulting, uh, it, it starts to make it easier to find the time. And there are a lot of resources. Our classmates are very helpful. Learning teams are very helpful to kind of share the load so that you can make it through the coursework as well. Um, and then, of course, you know, the, the MVPs of the program, you know, spouses, uh, they're part of this too. And, you know, my, my dog who is sitting here at my feet trying to get me to play with him, he feels it to some extent. So, you know, I'd say that there's a little bit of sacrifice and time to be made, but it's, it's worthwhile uh, it, as long as you keep your goals in, in perspective. Yeah, I thought we might have had an unannounced third guest for the podcast interview. Um, Rim, what's the name of your dog? Uh, he, his name is Ovan. He's a, a mini Labradoodle. Um, and uh, he, he's got a toy donut that he really likes. And he doesn't understand why I don't like it quite as much. So if that's what you're picking up on, I apologize for that. It's all good. Um, we've, had, we've had kids. We've had dogs. We've had all kinds of people join the podcast. So, um, so Josh, anything on this, this time point, um, particularly when things get heavier, you're trying to get ready for uh, these interviews? Yeah. Um, so actually, Rem and I had a conversation maybe last week about, so right now we're going to be going into um, electives and we get to choose our electives. Right now we're in the bidding process, which, you know, we're given a certain amount of points and we have to allocate those points to the classes that we want for the rest of our time at Darden. And we are trying to be strategic about which classes we take and when, because some of them are all, all online or you get a week long or they're only on Saturday and only on Sunday during our on-grounds time. And so we're thinking about taking a class that's all online and also in person. And that gives us the flexibility of one day at least per month where we can come in and you know sit together and use our time to do uh, case practice uh, with each other because uh, we don't have any classes because we chose to do an all online class. And so that day is now free for us. 
Um, and so that's kind of one way we're being strategic about our time. Um, and, and in terms of, you know, trying to carve out time while you're doing class and work, it's, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's gonna, probably going to be very hard, especially um, for people who have kids, uh, people who have pets. Uh, I know for myself and my wife, you know, my wife goes to work. Um, she's a nurse and she works on site every day and then comes home pretty late at night and I'm starting class. And so trying to, to disperse activities related to household cleaning or, you know, who's taking out the dog, who's cooking dinner, you know, trying to make sure that you have a schedule set up um, ahead of time. And, and even for people who are listening, just think about how you can, um, you know, allocate your time to, to best help yourselves uh, when you're going through this program. Um, but the, once again, like Rem said, the learning team helps a lot. You can assign each other different cases so that each of you have lightened the load and then come together one time per week and explain like, hey, this is you know the main highlights of this case. Yeah, and I've done this, like I've written up some notes. So I'm going to give you my notes so that you can pull them up during class. And if you get cold called in a class, you have the notes in front of you and you can say, this case is about X, Y, Z. And, you know, it's no big deal. So the, the learning team, I think, is essential to helping with the uh, lightening of the load. Yeah, that's right. Don't try to do this on your own. It's not necessary. you got all of these people to help you out. So, um, well, kind of building on what, I mean, Josh, you got to start it on this like advice uh, end of things. And, and you're right. You should be having those conversations about within your household, the other people in your life, like division of labor, what can you help out with? What do you, what can they help you with as you go through the program? And, and, and Rim, you also touched on this point. You can bring those people into the process because they are very much part of your executive MBA experience. And so um, what's one piece of advice you would share with our prospective student listeners? Yeah, I've got a couple of things. I mean, the, the first is you're going to be okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds like a lot. And I would, I know I was intimidated heading into the program. And, you know, like Josh said, like sometimes it's a lot of effort, but people really want you to succeed. Your classmates want you to succeed. It's collaborative. You know, no one is um, competing on, on trying to, you know, pull you down or, or in, in something like that. And so if you ever find yourself needing help, there are 10 hands that go up immediately. Uh, the, the other thing I'd say is just keep your goals in mind. Like it, it's going to be very difficult to be 100% in all aspects of your life. Like if you're really trying to focus on family, then, then take some time, lean on your classmates, focus on family. If you've got a really big project at work. Well, same sort of situation, maybe lean in on work a little bit and then lean on your family to kind of help out at home. You, you kind of flex your priorities and, and your time appropriately, and it shifts throughout the program. And then just the last thing to tie back to keeping your, your overall goal in mind, you know, I, my goals coming into the program were to switch industries and career paths and also to learn a lot. And that's kind of a different goal than, than undergrad. Like maybe when you're working on a bachelor's degree, you really want to get straight A's and everything. And yes, there is some focus on learning, but I know that when I was in college, I was mostly focused on, let me make sure my grades are great. And I'm not going to say that grades don't matter in the MBA program because they do. But my, my focus now is more on, I want to make sure that I learn. And maybe in undergrad, maybe I'd get a 90 on a test. But if I took that test six months later, I'm not sure I would have passed it. And, and now my focus is maybe I want to get an 80 on the test. 
but make sure that I really, really understand it. So five years from now, when I run into that business concept, I'd still pass the test and I've really learned something and retained some, retained some knowledge. So I would just say overall, you can do it. It's going to be okay. Make sure you're clear on your goals, which may change during the program, and then just keep the big picture in mind. All good advice. Wow, multiple pieces of advice uh, com coming from Rim. That's great. Um, I would say um, being very clear about your priorities. It's a steady drumbeat on the podcast across both the Experience Garden and the Executive Podcast. The clearer you can be about what you want to get out of this experience and recognize in a world in which you have a finite amount of time, a finite amount of energy, that priority list is really going to help you uh, navigate those times when, you know, okay, I can't do everything. So what's most important here? Um, thank you, Brim. All right, Josh, word of advice. That's a tough act to follow. Um, I know I would echo Rem with uh, saying to put your priorities, like what are your priorities? What are you trying to get out of the program? Um, you know, I had, a, I had a classmate who came up to me not that long ago and said, Hey, you know, I want to get a promotion at work but I want to do well in class, but I also have kids, you know, what am I supposed to do? You know, I'm failing at all three. And so, you know, it's just, what is your priority? You know, is, is your priority trying to uh, use the program to pivot into a new career? Cause then, you know, maybe focus less on work, even though that's what, where you're getting your income um, focus less on work and, and focus more on, on, you know, the pivot on learning as much as you can in this new area that you want to pivot into. Um, definitely always family first. Um, you know, so if anything goes on family first, uh, and our, our professors are understanding too. If you, if you message them and say, Hey, I've got something going on. Um, they're pretty understanding, uh, when you do that, uh, as well as I'll, I'll echo again, uh, the learning team, you know, you, you can't do this on your own. There are other people around you who can't do it by themselves either. And so, you know, when you, uh, all, all of you come together and, and work on a problem, then, you know, you can do some great things. It's an interesting point, Josh, if you have like five priorities, do you actually have a priority? Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, this sort of, you can't, all those things can't be one. So, and, and I think Rem acknowledged this, like, what's important to you or where you are in this process or how you're thinking about things will continue to evolve over the course of this program. I mean, life won't remain static. You're, you will go through school. Some quarters will be easier or harder for you, depending upon the classes that you're taking. Y'all are about to enter the elective period, which I do think is a time when students feel like they have a bit more of a handle on things from a schedule, from a time standpoint. You're picking your classes, you're choosing your schedule to a certain extent. Um, and then the other thing, you know, your career goals sort of ebb and flow where you start is not necessarily where people end in this process. And so those priorities will shift around. But um, the more you can really be clear with yourself and think about, OK, this is what's really important to me right now. And recognizing that, like, sometimes that'll be school and sometimes it won't be. And that that's part of the executive MBA student journey. Well, Josh. Rem, such a pleasure having y'all here on the podcast and talking with you. Um, good luck with everything you have going on. Um, everybody in y'all's class stays so busy all the time doing so many things. That's true. Yeah. Thank you, Brett. This has been a great time. So thanks for inviting us to, to come on. Yeah, likewise. I, I really appreciate having the opportunity to, to be here and, and share 
our experience. I know I got a lot out of the podcast when I was deciding on programs. And that was my interview with Remington Roth and Josh Rubelke, two leaders of the Executive MBA Consultant Club here at the Darden School of Business. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at darden.virginia.edu. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.